Welcome to Innovating Leadership, Co-Creating Our Future. I'm your host, Maureen Metcalf, CEO and founder of the Innovative Leadership Institute. I am delighted to have on the show today, Chris Nolan. Chris is a multiple Emmy award-winning filmmaker, author, storyteller, director, and branding expert. Chris recently released his documentary, It's VUCA, The Secret to Living in the 21st Century. The title says it all. Today, Chris and I are gonna talk about his movie, his book, and most importantly, how you, our listeners, can build the skills to respond to the current environment. So Chris, welcome. Thank you so much, Maureen. It's so great to be here. It's such a pleasure. I'm a huge, huge fan of the podcast. And as we've talked, I love the title, Co-Creating the Future. So let's co-create the future. And co-creating is something that you focus heavily on in your movie. So let's start with level setting for people who know VUCA but don't know VUCA Max or who've not heard of VUCA. Some people, I think, have overheard of it, but a lot of people haven't. Well, let's start with the genesis of the movie. Let me just tell a story of how I got to make this movie. So it was a beautiful morning, uh, 72 degrees in March, 2020. The sun was out, the, the blossoms were just coming out on our fruit trees, and the world was in DEFCON 4, right? We were going into the abyss and soon learning that almost all my film projects and a documentary I was working on with my partner, who became the co-producing partner of the movie, just went poof right? Because of lockdowns and quarantines and no flights and uh, film crews becoming health hazards. So I mentioned to him, I said, you know, this is complete uncertainty. This is chaos, obviously, everywhere. It's VUCA. And he said, what's that? Right? And he was a guy in the military. He was in the Navy. He had a, a military nonprofit. He has a military podcast. He didn't understand what VUCA is. Now we'll learn that. I'll tell you about VUCA in a second. It's military strategy that was coined in 1987. But what was interesting, and you're saying is right to your audience, is that this is a military guy who didn't know that one of the major military strategies was a phenomenon that was used by business and think tanks and corporations, but the mainstream doesn't know about it. The mainstream really didn't know what VUCA was, but it really explained what the hell was going on right? What we were swimming in. VUCA is an environment, it's a condition. And what VUCA is, is it's what the military discovered in 1987 that technology is doing to our civilization, okay? It's making it more volatile. That's the V is volatile, making it more uncertain, making it more complex, making it more ambiguous. And if you want, I'll I'll go into those a little bit with you. And I learned about it on a shoot I was doing for Google. I was directing a project in conjunction with Anderson School of Business. And Google really went from being a small company to a big company because of this immersion in VUCA, especially adversity immersion. And that's David Peterson, who you've had on, was the chief transformation officer. And I heard about it from one of the clients that this is one of the reasons that Google was so resilient and so bold and had such big ideas. It went from a search engine to YouTube and to Google mapping and to wanting to do all these, you know, cars that drove themselves. It was because the concept of moonshots and some of the things that we'll talk about in VUCA, that the concept of VUCA is in adversity and in chaos, you want to think differently, right? And we'll talk more about that. So anyway, VUCA stuck with me because it sounded very Star Trekian, right? VUCA, whoa, what's that? VUCA, it sounds cool. So I was very curious. So we started digging, digging more into it. We started to realize that, hey, this really explains what we're all going through. It really explains what to do because 
as a military strategy. Remember, a lot of people in the film were generals. We had Navy SEALs. We had Green Berets. We had Delta Force. We had Blue Angel pilots, in addition to major thought leaders and best-selling authors and futurists and think tech experts and cognitive therapists and neuroscience experts. But basically, it explained not only what you're swimming in, but how to get out of it. Now, that brings us to the antidote, which is Bob Johansson. Okay. Now, Bob Johansson is a distinguished fellow with the Institute for the Future. We probably interviewed 10 futurists, 10 global futurists for this, this movie. And he came up with the flip side, how to flip the script on VUCA, which is vision, which is understanding, empathy, which is clarity, which is storytelling, and agility, which is a human superpower, adaptability. So that's the antidote. So what that does is, is that's really technology, negative VUCA, against only human higher faculties. That's the flip side. So it's really technology and humanity, and those two counter each other. One thing I wanted to say is, and we'll get into VUCA Max here, but the movie really takes us from where we are in VUCA to something we call VUCA Max. We didn't call it VUCA Max in the movie. We don't want to confuse it too much. But the idea here is that we all need to know that the future is moving faster than we think. Okay. The movie gave what we're going through a name. And once you give things a name, they get knowledge. And once you have knowledge, you know how to solve things. That's what humans do. But unless you know what you're dealing with, you're in stress. You're in chronic stress all the time. You're overwhelmed. You're burnt out. You can't go forward. So that's why it's really important. We have a lot of companies that are, are showing this to their employees, Boeing for one, all their divisions. A lot of nonprofits are taking it. And maybe the CEO, like you said, knows about VUCA. But the people don't. They go, oh, wow. That's why I'm stuck. That's why I can't go forward. That's why I feel paralyzed. And I got a pretty negative viewpoint of the future. And a lot of kids really have a negative viewpoint. So one last thing. The movie takes you on a hero's journey. I'm a storyteller. I all think in story. Everything I do is a story. Okay. Takes you from recognition. That's that knowledge. Awareness of where we are. Into a necessity to act. That's what you have to do. Offensive mindset. That's what VUCA gives you. You have to have an immense offensive mindset. That's the call in the hero's journey. Then you go into conflict. And to conflict, you have to have resilience. We go one step further in the vertical thinking, which we'll talk about, I'm sure, which is called anti-fragile resilience. Then we go one step further, as in a story you do, where you get some powers from your mentors usually, and you start to get into higher capabilities. You start to get, we call it flow, we call it the OODA loop, but you get into higher capabilities and higher performance. You get into peak performance modes, which you didn't realize you had. Go from more limited to kind of an unlimited quality. Then you gain foresight, which is the fifth chapter of the movie, Future Back Thinking. And then you have courage and creativity, which is really important today, courage and creativity. And then you add wisdom. There's your hero's journey. Thank you. That just gives a beautiful recap of what you do in 90 minutes in the movie. And we're going to be using it in all of our courses as the launch of the course to help people understand the journey we're taking them through. Because our idea is VUCA solves me more than I solve VUCA, right? That as I encounter VUCA and VUCA Max, I have to be different. In a bit, I'll have different skills that I'll bring to bear, but I'll also have different mindsets. And your point about courage and being anti-fragile, I will actually 
be different than I was when I first encountered this. And that changing ourselves that you talk about in the hero's journey, just like the many brilliant stories, like Lord of the Rings, that they leave the Shire, they go, they conquer, they face all kinds of challenges. What we don't think of as leaders in corporations and leaders of organizations is we go through that same emotional process of changing and then coming back and reintegrating. It's nice in the movies, but we don't think about that it's also us. That when someone steps into one of your workshops or one of my workshops, they change their worldview, the way they look and meet problems, the way they interact with their teams, the way they interact with these challenges that you're talking about, overwhelm, and how do I shift from this sense of anxiety and overwhelm to optimism in the face of these challenges. And to your point, that set Google apart from fill-in-the-blank competitor who isn't where Google is right now. Oh, exactly. And I love your analogy to the Lord of the Rings and Gandalf, because one of the things I don't like in business is the concept of the word manager. I like the word mentor or guide, uh, because that's, I think, what we really are. And as a director, that's what I am. When you're on camera, I'm not managing you. I'm trying to guide you and bring the best out of you, right? I want you to be better than, than you think you can be. I want to find that unlimited part of you. So I love that. And that is story oriented. I have talked to leaders who are more senior in their career. You know, there are certain things that our young folks just know better, like in many cases, technology are more experienced. People have more years on the planet and have been through more things and in many cases are significantly wiser. How do we leverage that wisdom to co-creating? How do I marry wisdom and newness and excitement for the world and bring out the best in both sets of people? Well, especially today, I think it is two sets. You have a younger generation that is so tech savvy that you have to access that. I just had a a 70 terabyte drive go down. I was looking at replacing it. And the company that was an extremely respected company five years ago is now no longer around. That's VUCA for you, how fast disruption happens. And the only people that understand a lot of that stuff, I think, of, of like, well, how do you rescue? How do you save something? How do you code this stuff? What's what's happening? It's the younger generation. So you have to embrace that part of it for sure. And then I think combine the two where you do have people with more vertical wisdom, more empathy. They may have more intuition. They may have more higher faculties like that. But the younger generation may have imagination that we haven't seen, a perspective that we haven't heard before. You're talking about vertical versus horizontal. For many of our listeners, those are terms they are not clear on. Right. Can you give a little bit more of a background? Yeah, maybe we should go into the concept of VUCA Max right now, because I think that, that, that'll inform it. Okay, great. The difference between VUCA and VUCA Max, so VUCA has been around 30 years, 1987. It was really something where the military said, what's happening on the battlefield? Well, technology is changing the game from being a big army to being small armies, small insurgents with computers and satellites and cell phones 
could outsmart a big army. So we had to go small. We had to go team of teams. So that concept has existed for 30 years. Ray Kurzweil is really probably one of the drivers, but it's really based on Moore's law. It's why the the computer in your pocket is a million times smaller and tens of thousands of times more powerful than the computer that put man on the moon is because of exponential acceleration of technology. It gives you a little bit of a handle on it, Moore's law. But what's happened recently and why we're at a pivot point, if you imagine a hockey stick where it's flat and then it goes straight up, okay? If you imagine a hockey stick, right about 2020, we entered that hockey stick. And that's exponential growth. What's a doubling? So when you talk about linear, you have to think about linear and local, okay, linear thinking. Linear thinking is what we've done for 100,000 years. When we saw a saber-toothed tiger 30 feet away, we knew to run, fight, or hide. But now technology is exponential. That means it doubles. So in other words, 30 feet is 30 feet to us, linear. That's how we've thought for 100,000 years. 30 exponential feet is a billion miles takes you to the moon and I think back and around the earth. It's insane. So the difference is that we entered this exponential curve in 2020. And now we've only gone one, two, two, four. We're at four. We're close to being eight, eight, 16, 16, you know, 32, 64. It's accelerating that fast. Now here's what happens. Ray Kurzweil, who's has an 87% accuracy rate. He's a big futurist, chief engineer of Google basically done the calculus on this. So in the next 10 years, we'll see 100 years of growth. In fact, everything that happened in 1922 to 2022, we'll see that much growth in 10 years. We'll also see more wealth than we've ever seen before made. So that's the two sides of VUCA, positive and negative. Now I'm going to get to your vertical and horizontal, but it's important to set this up. In the next 80 years, we'll see 4,000 years of growth. So you really got to get a hand on this. So we're at four right now. That's a critical pivot point. That's a tipping point that people don't understand. When you talk about exponential, kind of gets lost. Oh, exponential, exponential leadership and exponential that. But to really understand what exponential means. So we're now in exponential VUCA. And there's a really great book by William Hillel called Beyond Knowledge. You probably know about it, Maureen, right? How technology is driving an age of consciousness. So we've had technological revolution. Where's the human revolution? You know, that's Kevin Kelly, who's founder of Wired, talks a lot about this. That is vertical thinking. That's what VUCA Max is about. The reason we did the book and we did a program is because some people were saying, hey, great. Okay, I get it. We're in VUCA. I know the environment. We're swimming in this. What do we do? And what we need to do is, I'll say it in a, in a kind of a comedic way. There's a mockumentary called This is Spinal Tap. Lead guitarist uh, Nigel Tufnell says that to the director of film, I've set all my amps to 11. And then the director says, well, amps only go to 10. Oh, no, no, no. These go to 11, right? And he says, well, that's crazy. That's the VUCA world. We're at 11. We're at 11x right now. So what that means is higher consciousness, higher faculties, imagination, creativity, intuition, leadership. All of those need to be exponentially accelerated. Coaching needs to be accelerated. Our program is an accelerated learning program. We get you in and out fast and we teach you skills that are these higher vertical learning skills. They're so necessary today. 21st century skills. One of the things we talk about is 
you're actually different when you come out. It is the vertical. It is the change in meaning making. You have to change. That my algorithm for how I think about things actually changes. So everything I see, I interpret differently than I used to interpret it. And to your point, not only do emotions come online, but it is a different consciousness. And I would love to hear from you what different consciousness means. I imagine people are hearing everything from you. People are carrying around fairy dust and crystals. No, it's, it's neuroscience. Good. It's neuroplasticity. Because what you're dealing with here is you're dealing with the brain. And the brain is a default mode. It's the sympathetic nervous system mode. It's fight or flight, right? Amygdala. And, and that just immediately kicks in. Chaos, crisis, uncertainty kicks in survival mode, limitation mode, because you can't think because it shuts off the prefrontal cortex. So this isn't like, oh, it's fairy dust. No, this is your brain. You have to understand your brain on VUCA. When we talk about VUCA, really what we want to say is uncertainty, complexity, and chaos, and overwhelm. All the information that you're taking in, all the devices that you've got to be immersed in these days, all the the complexity of the world. So you need to know how your brain works. And that is the only way, because we're human, we have higher faculties. We do have the capability. There's a great story about Paul Newman. When Paul Newman started, he wasn't a very good actor. He wasn't Paul Newman and he knew it. He would say he wasn't a very good actor. So what he had to do was he had to access the Paul Newman within him. And that's what we have to do. We're not really trying to change you. We're trying to say, don't be limited, don't be fearful, go into the unknown. Anti-fragile resilience is staying ahead of the curve. Resilience is bouncing back. You need to be ahead of the curve. And to do that, you have to access, as you just said, courage, creativity, those higher faculties that we have that are in stories. That's what stories are about. They're telling you that. You're going to have to face stuff and you're going to have to embrace it wantingly. You're going to want to say, bring it on. Bring on the fear. Bring on the conflict. Bring on all of that chaos because I know on the other side, I'm going to find the best Marine there is. That's the anti-fragile bit then that through that crucible, I become a better Maureen, my meaning making changes. And I'm, I become in a way stronger in the face of this uncertainty that we're all facing. Yeah. Because if I don't have a mechanism to deal with it, then I just melt. That's the hero's journey. That's why we have in the film, everybody is a hero. That is the new age. That is the new hero's journey. It's leadership from behind now. You can't handle everything as a leader. It's impossible. It's too complex. It used to be local and linear, as we've said, local because everything happened. Your great-great-grandfather never left where he lived. Now it's global and it's exponential. We know about something across the world in nanoseconds. So you can't handle all of that. You're not fast enough to handle cause and effect. That's linear. You have to be exponential. One of the mindsets we talk about is this idea of collaboration and seeking out consciously different points of view. Huge. If you agree with me, that's fabulous. And I like people who agree with me. But what I really need is people who see the world differently so I can find my blind spots. 
Well, yeah. Uh, in fact, when we talk about anti-fragile resilience and VUCA max, one of the main things is adversity immersion. And one of the great ways to get into adversity immersion is collaborative storytelling. And I'm talking about future past, what's happened, and future back. You can actually, the brain doesn't understand the difference between time, past, and future. So you can actually visualize and take people into alternate scenarios. And you can actually take groups into alternate scenarios. And it's great to do that because you get a lot of second and third and fourth order consequences and opportunities. Companies do not use storytelling enough, no, nowhere near enough, because it's a great way to collaboratively, literally create the future. In fact, the Institute for the Future has a lot of this collaborative storytelling to kind of give us an idea of what the future is, because you get back so many perspectives that you weren't aware of. And that's where you're talking about young people. I mean, you, you, it'll blow your mind. You go, I, I got no idea. You know? Yeah. So collaboration. And here's what's interesting. In the future, as more and more people are able to access the internet, like nine-year-old kids in small villages in Africa and the Amazon, and we go from 4 billion to 5 billion people, what they say will happen is we'll have a mind meld, collaborative mind meld, where people will be solving problems collaboratively. And that's exponential. I love the idea that our young people will be able to connect. I think of the 100th monkey or Star Trek and the Borg. <laughs> so whichever way you, you go, that we will engage a broader audience. We do it now with our strategic planning and our executive teams. They write the story. So step five years forward or whatever it is. And it is fascinating because I break them into teams and they hear then the stories from each other. And they are continually surprised at the reach, the impact. People want to make an impact. They want to create brilliant things in the world. It seems like that's one of the pieces that's the antidote. If I can connect and see a brighter future, then I'm willing to go through some of the challenges. If I see only doom and gloom, it's hard to get out of bed and give my best every day. Oh, that's genius. The storytelling thing, I, I had an experience with, we're in a lot of coaching groups that are, are now taking the, the program and integrating it into their coaching. And it's, it's, it's fabulous. And one said, you know, one thing I really find hard about the new age of being a consultant or coach over a screen is very difficult. I think more for women because they're so intuitive. I don't know if guys have it as much as women do, but they miss that. They miss that one-on-one. -on -one, and then they see that screen as a filter sometimes, right? I mean, it's still great. You can still see facial reactions. You can't see body movement as much. You can't think, but you're missing something. And I said to her, I said, you know, I've had that experience because being a director, I sit behind a screen and I have the opportunity to go be one-on-one -on -one too. But the difference is with story. What's interesting about story is that, and it is, think of it like directing, it brings out emotions. It triggers emotions. And emotions are what come through the screen, as every actor's know. So it's super valuable. You get into a whole suite of stuff that you didn't really think you'd get into emotionally, and then it, it, it triggers imagination and all of that kind of stuff. It's, it's super great. Now, the other part that you said, which is also a great, great area, a great discussion, is positivity in communication, which is one of the reasons we did the movie. Because your analogy to Star Trek was so amazing. Because Star Trek was protopia. Kevin Kelly talks about protopia. 
not utopia, not dystopia, but they had it was a post-scarcity economy, which is probably where we're heading. Even we don't really realize it, maybe 2100, an economy where food, clothing and shelter and hunger are all taken care of. Well, we're getting there. That's part of the abundant age. Stephen Kotler and Diamandis' book, you know, a good pal, Stephen Kotler's brilliant book. The idea is that it's really an abundant age. We just don't see it. Now I'm dealing with a, a, a futurist in Europe, we're probably not top five futurists. We're working on a series called Protopia, kind of an anti-black mirror, because we don't have enough of that in our zeitgeist. There's so much dystopia in our media, in our news that we have to absorb. People don't feel good about the future. This film, which has an optimistic ending and a positive outlook, is meant to change that, change that dynamic. I love the idea that you're putting into the world positivity, because to your point, it's hard to turn on the news and walk away feeling uplifted these days, no matter what side you're on. Yeah. You know, it's interesting, and you deal with a lot of leaders and CEOs and stuff. It's interesting to see that only a handful really say, you know, I'm, I'm going to take up the mantle and, and change. And most are just really just trying to stay afloat. And one of the things I th- hope the movie does and the program does is say, y- you don't want to do that. That's the opposite way to think in VUCA. Jim Collins did a big study, 20,000 companies. He used VUCA as a benchmark for those that had moonshot goals, BHAGs, and wanted to change in chaos and crisis. How many of those do you think, let's say, would be called 10x companies out of 20,000 over the last 10 years? I think it's like 15 or something, right? Seven. And that's because of those companies that we were talking about that are like the Apples, that have Elon Musk-like vision. That's positive thinking in crisis and chaos and uncertainty. You know, I mean, Elon Musk basically said, I think I'm going to become a a car company and a space company in the period of under 10 years. Oh, really? (laughs) You know, oh, okay, sure. Right. He did it. Basically, Ford and NASA put that one together. And now he's going to have the whole Elon ecosystem. It does take vision, you know, and it does take courage. And it takes all those, those mindsets. You know, a lot of the stuff that we have in the, in, the, in the program is about moving people from powerless to powerful, from limited to unlimited, from pessimism to optimism. We have a thing called the book of state of mind, which really grafts your whole organization or your team? Where are they on that graph? And it's important to see that because you kind of start to see, as you said, I think a a couple of minutes ago, you talked about, well, how do you change their identity and their beliefs and their attitudes and their story? And you really need to know where they are in their story to do that because belief is living in the past. So you have to change, as you said, you really have to look at that. You go, well, where are you now? Actually, a bunch of beliefs become an attitude. As we know, those are all choices. That's a human superpower. It's their ability to choose. One of the things that's fascinating to me right now is awareness. Mm. That as I think more or focus more on who I am, one out of 8 billion people on the planet. So what does that mean for me? And what does it mean for people around me and the impact I can make. And yet so much of my thinking is is habitual. Yes. So I see myself as this. I'm 5'3". I live in Ohio. The, those things that aren't necessarily abundant, they're just demographic. 
if I think about superpowers and abundance and exponential impact in the world, I'm a very different thing. It is the continual change of awareness and being aware of what I think and how I am in the world that allows me to be the person I'm trying to become. Yeah. A big part of our program is VUCA Max warrior training, we call it. Okay. That's really part of the anti-fragile resilience. That's part of the, the conflict part of the hero's journey. The thing that we really stress in that, and this is this is Maslow, which is that you're either plus oneing or minus oneing your mind all day long, right? You're either going forward or back. So we don't want to overwhelm the audience with saying, hey, you've got to be exponential right now. You've got to do this. You've got to do that. You've got to do this. It really gets down to getting under the hood of who you are, right? And going belief by belief, by negative thought, by negative thought, by negative feeling, by this and that, and starting to build. We have a whole system where we take you through a whole plus one system where we're literally building you up from an atomic habits level almost, right? I think that's where people can get lost. So you're right. They go, I've got my family and I've got this and I've got that and I live in you know, I live where I am. And geez, how do I change the world? How do I do? Come on. I mean, I'm just trying to get out of bed. That's really important to know as any director or mentor or guide is that you really have to take people through things at their pace. And and that's that S curve. We deal with companies like that. We're actually dealing with law enforcement companies and police departments now where they get a bunch of recruits and we onboard them, well, there's some that are ready to go and some that need a little bit more. So you're right. You really have to understand your story. Where are you? Are you, like you said, so you're saying habitual. Am I living in the past or do I have a vision of the future? If I don't have a vision of the future, I'm not going forward. I'm living in the past. You don't want to live in the past. You want to be ahead of the curve, especially when it's skyrocketing like that. Do you have a vision of yourself in the future and how far forward does that vision look? Great, great question. How far in the future, even if you're a CEO, are you going? I mean, Zuckerberg, did he see TikTok coming? How long ago was that? He's got Facebook, he's rolling, TikTok, boom. You know, let's talk about the issue of the glitch. Okay, we all have a glitch in our medial prefrontal cortex, it's a glitch. It's because we were seasonal, we're agrarian. We're really still at the end of the stone age saying, well, it's spring, I should plant, you know, and then I'm gonna reap in the fall. So I think a quarter ahead, right? CEOs still do think a quarter ahead, but you can't in a VUCA world. The glitch is that I can't see myself in the future. In the future, I'm actually kind of a stranger. I go, I don't know who that person is. Five years away, I don't know. It's a completely different person, right? The issue is this, is that in a VUCA world, you do have to do what Olympians do. You have to do mental rehearsal. Where could I be in three years? Where could the company be in three years? And really just concentrate vision of the future, vision of the future, vision of the future. Because as Bob Johansson said in her film, countries are doing this. China's thinking 100 years ahead, 200 years ahead. No, but our country's doing that. You know, we're like going, uh, climate change will work out. I'll figure something will work out. I don't know. But you know what I'm saying? We, 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 we have to kind of get out of that subconscious habit form that we have, which is a, like I said, it's neuroscience and use our higher faculties, our visualization to put ourselves in the future. I love the 
concept and the process of visualization because it does allow us to step in and feel and embody and write our story. And I think this is your future back piece, right? And I remember doing this at various times, kind of walking around in almost my own little virtual reality in my head. Where do I want to live? What kind of office do I want to have? What kind of surroundings do I love to walk in a ravine every day? What did... What do all of these things look like as well as the big impact? But I need to feel it all the way down to the detail so I can create it in my world. So you've just explained one of our tools, which is called the experiential story ladder. What you do is you create a story world. It's a movie. And I love what you're saying. You're getting detailed. Get down to the props. Get down to the what's the weather like that day. Create the movie, right? Because, like I said, your brain doesn't really know the difference between the past and the future. You and I have talked about the hack that you can do on your brain, which Stephen Johnson calls the adjacent possible. Don't think of it as the future. Think of the future as something that hovers over the present. Because there really, as Einstein said, I know you're really into science, Maureen, there is no time and space. I mean, I know it sounds crazy, you know, what what is it say? Time is a very uh, mysterious, but it's, it's a very persistent quality, right? So if you think about the adjacent possible, you're thinking like a movie. I mean, I'll give you an example. I mean, for Google, we did two 10-minute movies, and it was for the API vision, APIs, which is the backbone of all apps, basically. Mm-hmm. They were spy thrillers. Very cool. 10 minutes long. One was shot in Tulum, and one was a, a woman that was going through chaos protocol. The one was about the future of travel. And one was about fintech. All the things were things actually that if they were not happening today, I mean, they're two years away, one year away. The AI things, the internet of things, the chat bot, the bitcoins, all of that stuff, it's happening, right? But it was the adjacent possible. But by putting it into a movie, the props, the people, the talking, they're all talking about it. It becomes real. It's the same thing you're doing in your head. You're creating a movie in your head and your brain starts to live it. And once again, this isn't woo-woo, this is neuroscience. Because as you start to live it in your brain, what happens with your brain, your brain has all these chemicals, you know, these cocktails that they put in your body, like, like dopamine, you know, when it likes something, and adrenaline, versions of adrenaline. And when it doesn't like something, it puts cortisol into your stress into your bloodstream. But feeling good, about the future, having a vision of the future changes your neuroplasticity. It actually changes your brain. You start to feel like you're in the future and it changes your beliefs, changes your attitude, changes your story. So it's pretty powerful. When I was in my 20s, I did a program called Technologies for Creating, and it's based on the Robert Fritz book of creating. Yeah. And it was this idea that you would visualize what you wanted. Now, I visualize stuff happening, you know, in five minutes, and it took 20 years. But, but this, <laughs> <laughs> I was a little optimistic. But the idea that, like, if I wanted a red car, every time I go outside, I would see red cars. When I'm imagining that story... I'm now seeing the opportunities that I didn't even know I should be looking for. Suddenly they become front and center everywhere. If I don't have that clear image, I miss the opportunities that are right in front of me, which ties back to your idea of of abundance and protopia. Yeah. And also it does a lot of other things. When When you're moving into doing positive things for yourself, it changes your confidence. And it changes your self-worth. 
Those are huge things which basically change your belief system. Once again, we're talking plus ones. So plus one today, I got up and visualized something good for myself. And, and it's very important for people to understand the negative ones, because we, we talked about that scale of the, uh, the VUCA state of mind, VUCA max state of mind. These compound. So negative thoughts compound. And, you know, they've done a lot of research. We, we also deal with some sports teams with, with VUCA max. If you talk out loud, it is 40 times the negative power of just a thought. Right. They've done research on this, like with sports teams where like, you know, somebody's saying, oh, I, you know, I, I don't think we're going to do it. You know, and there's a great story of um, uh, Bill Buckner, who was with the Red Sox. He was getting an interview with ESPN. He was in the World Series. And he said, well, you know, you must be thrilled to be in the World Series. He says, yeah, it's, it's great. But, you know, you could have a slow grounder go through your legs and, you know, you'd be the goat. Said that on ESPN. That's what happened in the World Series. Wow. So you got to be very careful about things. There's another story where two guys were linebackers and they were talking about playing against um, a quarterback and the quarterback was awesome. And he, they said, you know, well, you know, he's going to beat us. He beat them, right? Because if you get that in your head, it's very detrimental. There's a stat, and I wish I could remember where it came from. Five minutes of negative thinking causes six hours of physiological reaction. I would believe that 100%. So I say I'm, I'm an idiot for something immediately my body is releasing the cortisol and the the stress hormones that reinforce and then my brain slows down my prefrontal cortex disengages that idea of managing our thinking and our words is for resilience to me one of the most crucial elements of allowing people and in accelerating one's ability to be present high functioning and ultimately make an impact in the world it's called the monkey brain. If your monkey brain's going all the time and you don't know how to quiet that, we have a whole chapter on mindfulness with, with several, several tools. We have 15 tools in the program from start to finish, from creativity to foresight. These tools that we're talking about right now are grounding tools. What happens in this, if you don't understand how to quiet the monkey mind, it will do all the things that you said. And 95% of who we are is our subconscious. And so what happens is we don't realize it, so we're thinking all these, thinking all these thoughts, but then those thoughts get shoved down into the body, and the body starts to do thinking for us. You know, we think, oh, well, there's that thought again. I wonder where that came from. Well, it's because now it's your entire being. It's everywhere. And so you really have to understand, like a computer, your operating system. And this is what we talked about, upgrading your operating system. You have to understand, as you just said, unless you upgrade your operating system, unless you update it, Unless you get rid of these bugs, these viruses, these glitches that you can get rid of. And, and when we're talking higher faculties, we're just saying that you choose. Victor Frankel, who was in a, a concentration camp, he chose while he was there how to think in chaos and crisis. And so can you. That's why we have consultation and guides and coaching and all that kind of stuff to help people understand that you can change your neuroplasticity. It really is a big lift. I think it's Jocko Willick who talks about discipline is freedom. The more disciplined you become, the freer you are. Once you get disciplined and understand how to overcome these negative thoughts, it's like the light comes out of you. You go, oh gosh, now I, I feel much more capable. You know why? Because you know how much energy you have to expend to keep up that negativity? It's zapping you. You know, you're just a battery. If you use 
90% of your body just trying to compensate for negative thoughts all day. You're just wasting, you know, your God-given power. We call that liberating structures. The more structures I have. Right. I mean, just basic stuff. You walk in, you put the keys in the same place every time. The keys are where they belong when it's time to go out. And this is for the brain doing the same thing. So what do you do? I'm curious, how much has this adventure changed the way you live your life? Well, now my background goes back to a lot of this stuff that you're talking about. You know, I mean, what you were talking before is is basically law of attraction. Now, I, w- I wouldn't say it quite goes into so much of that, but when I started to directing, now I'm giving you a little backstory here. I had 10 years with probably a guy who's, I think, is a genius, right, named Phil Stutz. He's probably the number one therapist, but I mean, I would go into him and every mogul of the studios, all kinds of stars go to him. So he was, he used to be a prison psychologist and he's written a book called The Tools. He's kind of become famous. And I went to him for 10 years. So I was immersed in this stuff. I've been immersed in this for a long time. For instance, one of the tools that we have is called the reversal of desire, which is one of his tools, which will sound very VUCA, where, and we just, I think we just went through it, where the more you're resisting something, the more you don't want to make that phone call, the more you don't want to get up on stage, right? The more you have to do it. You have to push yourself and you have to want it. You want to say, bring it on. And it's painful sometimes, really seriously painful to make a phone call to somebody that's maybe not been too nice to you or something, right? And yet you do it. And you do feel you get courage every time you do that. Courage. You get confidence every time you do that. So I was aware of a VUCA training, so to speak. And this has just been kind of a, I don't want to say it's an extension of that. I think the thing that has changed me is all the futures and understanding about exponential growth, which is shocking. And it amazes me that I would say more politicians don't embrace it, don't understand it. More companies don't really understand it, aren't really dealing with it. And I, I think we have an obligation to the mainstream for them to kind of understand, oh, okay. So you're saying 100 years of growth in 10 years, but 100 years of opportunity too? That's changed me in a positive way. I think the other thing is understanding the service that needs to be rendered by, by leaders. Look, we did this movie, basically funded it ourselves. And I did that because I felt like it was something that needed to be out there. So I think what changed me was the service part of it, was like, I felt like we need to get this out there and it is having global impact. We're, we're getting calls from China, from Zambia, Pakistan, and especially Europe. Europe's very hip to this VUCA stuff and VUCA Max too. Because this is really is an age of consciousness we're into right now. If we don't develop sustainable civilizations, we're going to face disastrous consequences. We've got a lot of existential crises and threats, polarization and disinformation, conflicts and all that kind of stuff. But positive side, I think uh, global consciousness that's emerging. So that's changed me. And I love being with someone like you that shares these same thoughts because that's it's collaborative storytelling. It's a mind meld to go, oh, I found a kindred soul. Dan, too, by the way, who's off camera. Yeah, for our listeners, they've heard about Dan before. He's our producer and very much 
part of our story and our process. We just don't hear his voice. We see him typing often in chat. So Dan is present. I feel his essence. <laughs> I love the idea. I think Kurzweil's number was 20,000 times the amount of change over the next century. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. It, and I know it's I know it's 4,000 years. It's history of agriculture, like twice the industrial evolution, something like that. It's crazy from like the begin, end of the Stone Age forward twice. It's It's a lot. The consciousness era, moving out of the knowledge revolution toward consciousness, we're coming close to the end, but let's do a really quick exercise. What do you imagine happening over the next five to 10 years as people start to understand VUCA, start to understand Protopian, start to build a shared consciousness toward thriving for everyone? What does that look like? If we can get people aware, that's the first thing. Knowledge is the first thing. I'm not sure if it'll be 10 years. I think 10 years, we're still sorting out stuff, right? But I do think it will be driven by technology, but we have to be aware of technology. We have to do the right thing with technology. There's so many good things happening with technology. You know, uh, they've just come out with completely biodegradable plastic. Plastic floating in the ocean is going to go away. And that's in 2025, they think that'll be there, right? We have 3D printing. They can now print sushi in Japan and send it to Africa. They can print houses. So we are getting into more post-scarcity. So I think that will change some things. People will see real tangible changes, you know. But it's hard to say because of the, uh, I think the geopolitical thing is the thing that's got me most uncertain. The autocrats and the polarization and some of that. For instance, some people take VUCA to another level. They take it almost, and there's a guy come up uh, called a banny, where it's like brittle, unstable, incomprehensible, ready to crack. I mean, go that, you kind of go gloom and doom, right, with it. So positive side of it, I think that if you do start to employ some of these things that don't make you so scared, and I guess I take it one by one, one individual at a time, one group at a time, I just think that's healthy. One of the things I think is really important, positive. So I don't know the big the big macros, the age of consciousness, but I do think in terms of in small groups, we can bring people to higher consciousness, maybe companies. And that's contagious. Yes. That's my hope is that as we elevate the consciousness, and, and I heard the number 144,000, I don't know that that's supposed to be the magic multiplier. I don't know how you can have the same magic multiplier if you're 4 billion or 8 billion people on the planet, but whatever it is, your movie probably will be viewed by more than that. Well, yeah, I think so. Yeah. We're on all the platforms. If you want to see the movie, we're on Amazon Prime and Apple and I don't know, 50 others. In, we haven't launched globally, but we're in, in North America. There's something that they say, and this is very Zen, just the energy of one light. If you think of the Gandhi's and the Jesus and uh, you know the, those big thought leaders, you know, even in in business of Richard Branson are so bright. They literally, like you said, they influence a lot of people. So one person or one group or one leader got to realize this. They they do have big impact, especially today in our world, when an influencer can impact a billion people. If you take on the mantle of the the age of consciousness, yeah. There's pretty big scope and scale to your your reach. Yeah, I'm thinking CEO of 
Microsoft, the people who created IBM's Watson, some of these AI tools that will also solve big medical issues in the next decade. Huge, huge. You know, Institute for the Future did a great uh, exercise on empathy and how we'll have, you know, the ability to read people like we never could before, which is kind of scary, but interesting also. Especially for, well, it's, it's good for the, the, the narcissists out there. They can use that, uh, <laughs> that tool. <laughs> We've just talked to someone about AI and how AI can read people significantly more effectively than we can. Yeah. I'm not always sure I want to be read that well. I don't want to be misunderstood, but I'm not sure I want my thoughts visible. Well, you, you just got to be aware of it. I mean, I think that that's what we're talking about here is humanity and technology understanding the technology because they do have it right now. They have technology right now that'll read literally the heat that you put out, does a scan of you, your eyes, and even from your breath. I mean, it's it's crazy stuff. They can really understand a lot about you, you know, and you, and you can probably get that in the future just by walking through a, an airport. You know, we've got to be cognizant of what we're doing with technology. There's so much positive possible yeah. in the right hands. Well, yeah, there's definitely a lot of good stuff. I mean, they just 3D printed an ear. And they're doing organs, right? Yeah, well, they've been doing that. Now they're doing other stuff. Well, I just read that they just cloned, and the mouse lived two years and had mice, and uh, they cloned it from tissue, from mice tissue, which is, which is great for all the species going extinct now. I mean, that's positive, that's positive technology, kind of combating climate change. Loss of biodiversity, that's interesting. Yeah, I was working with a guy that did a documentary on that called the, I think it's called the Sixth Extinction, something like that. That's pretty sad stuff. Well, actually, Collar, Stephen Collar just did a book called The Devil's Dictionary, which is a protopia about that, where they save a bunch of animals. But protopias are actually difficult to pull off because, you know, dystopias are easier. It's easier to put a, a protagonist in conflict than it is somebody that's in conflict and usually has to be more inner inner conflicts. And yet the technology is not bad. It's not going to, it's not going to use your body as a, as a battery or take over the world. I haven't read this latest Stephen Kotler book. I, I have read most of his and his work is brilliant. Oof. Yeah. He's a great writer. Yeah. And they're page turners too, which is really hard to do when you're talking about, you know, some of the stuff that's very heavily researched and in a way kind of technical manuals. I mean, they're very detailed and he does a marvelous job of weaving in personality and all that stuff makes it less dense. Chris, unfortunately, we need to come to a close. Will you tell our listeners where to get your movie, where to get your book, a little bit about your leadership development and training programs so that they can get more of you? Absolutely. Sure. So people can link in with me and they can go to Facebook, to It's VUCA. They can go to Instagram, It's VUCA, or they can go to um, Twitter, It's VUCA, and subscribe and learn all about the film and be part of the community. We have a website called itsvuca.com. You can go there and we're offering to companies and to, to coaches free consultation so we can chat through our tools and our methods and find out what your goals are what your moonshots are, hopefully, your big goals, and how we can help you achieve those, what your issues are, what your big problems are, 
the book now is also on the the web the website page. Now you're going to see the um, I think it's a pre-order at this time. We were still noodling with it, still doing the cover, and the program. I would say the main thing people like about it. I'll take it from a branding point of view is that I always wanted to do things when we branded companies that differentiated them, that made something totally different, totally new, even though it was synthesized and maybe based on great knowledge, which we have from a lot of the brilliant people that were in our film. We did two and a half years of research. Samuel Johnson said, it takes a library to create a book. This took a film vault too. So there's just a tremendous amount of research that we couldn't put in the book and great, brilliant insights. So we've synthesized those into new ideas, really tailored and designed for the world we're in. That's this exponentially accelerating world, crazy, skyrocketing change in crisis, chaos, and uncertainty. It's all the way from the big ideas through the plus ones, as we talked about. And like I said, it's also, also based on the hero's journey. Those six steps that I talked about, we take you through all those six steps. Thank you. And the video is? The movie is everywhere. You can find it everywhere. It's VUCA, the secret to living in the 21st century. And like I said, the big thing about the movie you'll find is that you'll see backstories on what VUCA was, and then it'll shift into what we call VUCA Max, which is you'll see it's, it's the accelerating curve, and you'll learn more about that and how that's impacting us. It's great. I mean, it's got um, all these three-star generals. It's got, like I said, all these elite forces. It's got all these great thought leaders. It's got futurists in it. And yet it comes out at the end to make you feel very good about, uh, very uplifted. The weird thing about when you were talking about the law of attraction is that we've had people actually say, this is crazy, that this reminds me of the secret because they say, well, it's like this VUCA was a secret. And all of a sudden, now I know about it. And now I kind of understand a little bit more about how the world works, you know? And in this case, it's real. We're not, I mean, I'm not saying the secret, it's not real. You know, I'm just saying that it's, it's not based on philosophy. It's, this is based on battle-tested methodologies from the war college and great thought leaders and business leaders. And neuroscience. That is what we couldn't put into the book, a lot, a lot of the neuroscience, because Obviously, that gets much more detailed. It has to be set up in a different way than, than a 96-minute movie. You want these movies to be entertaining, remember. <laughs> you give it too much into neuroscience, and you'll go, oh, okay, yeah. But the recommendations are grounded in science. Most everything is grounded in science. Everything, everything's either battle-tested or it's all grounded in science. And how, and we talked about this, this new age of, when we say the age of consciousness, we're talking about consciousness as we've discussed. From a neuroscience standpoint, neuroplasticity standpoint. Thank you, Chris. Thank you. This has been such an honor. Thank you so much. Thank you. And to our listeners, thank you for joining us. Please do watch the movie. It's absolutely incredible. I haven't read the book yet because it's not released. So I can't say anything about that other than from our conversations. I can only imagine it is incredibly high impact and will be one of those books that's like the guide to go forward in how you live your life. So please connect with Chris, subscribe to our podcast, subscribe to our LinkedIn newsletter, and continue to listen and be your best selves in a time where we need absolutely everyone to show up and move the needle and help each other thrive.